It's all yours. I thought I flipped the switch. Oh, there we go. Okay, I just flipped the switch. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, first, it's just an absolute honor to be able to share with you all today. Um, as Pastor Matt said, I am his daughter. Um, I've grown up in this church, so I've been attending here for about 26 years. Um, I am, I am Gal Ariana Galena Benter de Souza, but just Ariana Galena is fine. You don't have to say the whole thing. Um, I'm the worship director here. I've been married for, it'll be two years in September, just to tell you guys a little bit. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Marriage is great, guys. It is. It's really great. I'm two years in, but I'm excited for the rest. <laughs> <sighs> um, but just to give you a little bit of background about myself, I've been in worship ministry for about 10 years. I don't know the exact date or the year because I'm bad with that stuff, but I figure I was about 16, so I'm just, we're calling it 10 years. Uh, I started at the Northeastern House of Prayer at Light of the World. It used to happen Tuesday nights. I don't believe it's still going on, but I started singing. We would do worship with the word, harp and bowl, just two hours of just worshiping and meeting with Jesus every Tuesday night, and that's where I started. From there, I started on their youth group worship team, because we didn't have one here in this house at the time, and I started singing, and then the worship leader of that church, she was going to be getting married, and she needed someone to take her spot, so I think about a month before I was supposed to be taking over, she came over and was like, this is how you lead from the piano, and then I got thrown into that. So I started worship leading there, and then eventually started leading and singing here at this house, which has been just such an honor. In 2017, as Pastor mentioned, I went to Awakening Leadership Center for biblical studies and worship music. It was an internship program. That's where I met my husband. And I really went for the biblical studies. I knew that everything that I wanted to know about worship and having a heart of worship and all of that stuff, I could learn here in this house. What I really wanted to know was I wanted that biblical studies. I wanted the theology. I wanted the doctrine. I wanted the foundation. Because being in the word and being a lover of the word was something that I struggled with a lot. It was not fun for me. I didn't like to do it. I could listen to music all day, but this was not my thing. And so I kind of, you know, I sent myself off to there really, really to become a, a student of the word. Um, so I came back 2018, started serving here again on the worship team, got married in 2021, became worship director in February of 2022, and it's been just an honor working with the worship team. We really are so blessed, aren't we, yeah. to have just the team that we have. Yeah, you can give them a round of applause. Um, I get to brag on my team just for a quick minute here, but uh, when I took over in February of 22, not many people know this, but every single person on the worship team at the time, and we had literally all the spots that you see, we had one person that was able to fill each of those spots. Each one of those people came to me. I never had to go to them and ask. And they said, Ariana, I will be on every single week if that's what you need. You can put me on every single week. Now, we always have a goal to have everyone have one week off of serving so that they can sit and receive. And they came to me, and they're like, you can put me on every week because I know that you need me. And they did, and they served faithfully every single Sunday for three months straight. So can we just give them a thank you for just their serving? So before I jump into the message, what I want to do is just give you guys just a quick glimpse of the heart of what we do as the worship team up here on a Sunday, because I think that'll help. Maybe if you maybe you don't understand fully what it is we do on a Sunday, you know, this corporate worship. What is it? Why are they up there? Why don't we just play a CD? Why do we even do music? So I want to just give you a quick glimpse. And the best way I can actually just put it in a sentence for you, is something that I've grown up hearing Pastor Tom say all the time, and it's this, that worship is not a spectator sport. Come on. All right? Come on. Worship is not a spectator sport. What does that mean? That means that if you show up to worship, you don't get just to pick a chair and watch. That's not worship. If that's worship, then you could go to any concert and just sit in a chair and listen to the music, but it's not. And I can't implore you enough, I can't encourage you enough that when you show up on a Sunday morning for worship, one, to come with high expectation. Yeah. Come with high expectation of yeah. what God's going to do. And not that we're coming to worship to seek his hand. That's not what it is. We're coming to meet with Jesus. But come with high expectations and come ready to engage. Not for me. 
I don't need to hear you singing. I don't need to hear you clapping. It's great, and that gets us excited up here because we know that we're really touching the heart of God and that you're joining in with us. But it's not for me. It's for you. Because when you're engaged in worship, then you can go somewhere deeper as well. Amen? And so the best picture I can give you of what our job is up here on a Sunday morning is we show up and we prepare the table, all right? That's what we do as the worship team. We lay out the food, we pull up the chairs, we light the candles, we set the music, we make the mood, we set the atmosphere, and there's a chair for you and there's a chair for Jesus. And all you need to do is come and take a seat at the table and eat. And then what we do is we're there and we've prepared and we're there in the, the, you know, the side wings making sure everything goes smoothly, that the music doesn't skip and that the table doesn't wobble. And then when you are meeting with Jesus, we just get out of the way. We disappear. My goal on a Sunday is not to have you leaving saying, wow, Ariana led worship great today. Although I hope you think so. (laughs) I really hope you do. It's not to have you walk away and say, that John Paley, he's an incredible drum player. Although he is, yeah. (laughs) That's not the goal. That's all great, and we love that, and we love that you think that. But it's about meeting with Jesus. What this is, yeah, what this is on a Sunday morning is this is an opportunity to meet with the Lord. So I want to encourage you, when you show up on a Sunday, don't just be an observer. Be someone who engages, who takes part. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to pray quick because the Lord knows I need it. And then we're going to jump into this message, all right? So just bow your heads with me. God, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you that you are faithful to show up every time. God, we thank you that you are a unique and personal God, that you look and you see each one of us as special. You see each one of us. You love each one of us so deeply and so uniquely, Lord. We thank you for that incredible love that you have. And God, I just ask that you would be here in this room today, God, that you would be glorified, that we would walk away this morning with a deeper understanding of you and your love. God, that we would walk away with deeper passion and excitement for your word and for who you are, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would give me the words to be clear and concise and to the point, God, and that you would be glorified this morning. In your name, amen. Amen. All right. So... First off, I just need to let you all know, my intention in today's message, and the intention in this sermon series that we're in, Created for Worship, which I love, the goal in these four weeks is not to have you dancing and clapping like Pastor Matt by the end of four weeks. That's not the goal. If you get there, that's great. But that's not the goal. The goal is to take you from wherever you are, like Pastor Matt said last week, if you're holding the TV, if the fish was this big, wherever you're at in your worship, (laughs) okay, to elevate it just one level, all right? And so I want to take like 15, 20 seconds, not even, and I want you to just close your eyes in your seat, okay? Just you. And I want you to just kind of analyze, just like in sci-fi movies, those like body scanners, just like a quick like zoop zoop, and just analyze and just ask the Lord, where am I in my worship? Okay? Just ask the Lord that this morning. And where your hands are in worship is not a signifier of your level of worship. That's a joke. Just want to clarify. All right? But wherever you are, okay, in your worship, the goal is to just elevate it one level, to just take it one step further. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to open up and we're going to start reading in John 4. So if you have your Bibles, take that out. If you have your Bible on your phone, you can take that out. But I really want to encourage you guys, bring your Bible on a Sunday. Um, I ca- I ca- I've done some e-books before, but I could never do the e-read thing. But there's just something about an actual book. Like, I like to hold it and to write in it. And it just, I, bring, I used to carry around like a King James massive Bible in a purse when I was a kid. Um, even though I never read it. But <laughs> I carried it around. So bring your Bible. It just it comes to life. Amen? Yeah, right. All right. So chapter 4, I'm going to summarize a bit because it's, it's a big portion of Scripture, and we all don't want to hear me read that much. So it's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. All right? And so in this story, 
What's happening is Jesus is passing through Samaria. The disciples had gone into town for food, and Jesus becomes thirsty, and he meets the woman at the well. And they begin, he asks her for water, and they begin to have a conversation. And they talk about, you know, the living water, and then um, he begins to prophesy over her life, and she's astonished. And so there's this incredible conversation that's happening. And then if you pick up in verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will, will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so I don't know about you, but every time I've ever read the woman, the story of the woman at the well, I've never really walked away thinking, wow, that's a story about worship. We have so many other things that we realize about God here. He's talking about the living water. We see him prophesy. And so there's all these things. But he actually reveals a lot to us in this portion of scripture about worship. And the first thing, you know, we see it here that there's worship on the mountain, worship in Jerusalem. And he says that it will happen neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. So what does he tell us? That worship is not about a place. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Worship does not need to happen here in the church. It doesn't need to happen in a temple. It doesn't need to happen in a tent or in the forest or wherever seems holiest to you. Okay? It can happen in the church and it can happen in a temple and it can happen in the forest or your car or your home or your balcony or your bathroom or what have you. It can happen anywhere because worship is not about a place. And the next thing that he talks about, which is where we're going to kind of focus in today, is verse 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we're going to talk today about in spirit and in truth, and I'm going to focus in really on the in truth part of worship, but it says that we must worship in spirit and in truth, so I'm going to touch very quickly on in spirit and what that means. First off, we need to worship in spirit because God is spirit, okay? So it's this three-level thing, spirit, soul, and body. We are worshiping the Lord. And what it means to worship in spirit is that we are partnering with the Holy Spirit to worship God, all right? It involves our spirit. It's not just our mind. It's not just our mouth. It's not just our body, but our heart. Our spirit is involved in worship, yeah. all right? Yeah. So that's in spirit. The second part of being a true worshiper is to worship in truth. Now, what is truth? In truth here can be broken down into two parts. The first being we need to worship in truth, being the truth about God, all right? Worshiping God for who he really is. The second part of worshiping in truth is that we come to worship with nothing hidden. We come to worship with everything exposed, all right? And we're going to dive in this together, and we're going to start with the truth about God, all right? Now, if you were to come to me and you were to say, you know, you ran into me at the grocery store or at Mocha's, and you were like, Ariana, I met your husband. He is such an incredible guy. Wow, that five-foot-two Irishman, and he's an incredible trombone player. I would probably either, A, start laughing, or I would just look so confused because I don't know who you met but it was not my husband, all right? And I'm gonna have my husband stand so you can all see. My husband is 6'2", he is Brazilian-Italian, and although, thank you, you can sit down. And although he's an incredible musician, he's never touched a trombone, okay? Never touched it. And so while you might have been very excited and passionate in your adoration of my husband and giving him all these compliments, they mean nothing because that's not my husband. I don't know who you met or who you're talking about, but it's not my husband. And in that same way, we need to worship God for who he really is. Come on. 
We need to worship the truth about him. We don't get to just show up and say whatever we want. The word says that we need to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. We're called to love him. That's what worship really is. It's love. But we need to love the truth about him. We don't get to pick out the parts that we want. Bob Coughlin, in a a book called Worship Matters, he goes as far as to say, there is no authentic worship of God without a right knowledge of God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Do you get that? Say it again. There is no authentic worship of God without a right knowledge of God. That's intense, guys. That's intense. Our worship of God needs to be founded in the word. We need to become students of the word so that we can become true worshipers. Amen? Amen. Because we can have deep encounters with the Lord during times of worship with music, but being moved emotionally is different than being moved, being changed spiritually. And every word that we receive every encounter that we have needs to be held up against the word because if we were to base our worship of God on our own experiences and our own interpretations we would end up being way off and most of the time when we because this happens and a lot of times we actually aren't even aware that we have a wrong view or understanding of God most of the times it happens in a negative way something happens in our life we get sick we lose a loved one we lose a job we get demoted whatever it may be, we get a flat tire. And now all of a sudden, God is cruel. God is distant. God is busy. God loves everyone, but doesn't have time for me. And these are things that we start to think and we don't even realize it. In the same way, and I'm going to use a kind of a ridiculous thing because, again, it's, it's very hard to over-exaggerate the goodness of God. It's, a lot, it, it's much more common that when we have a wrong understanding of God, it's in a negative way. But say we were to be praying for something, all right? We were to be praying to the Lord and we were asking, God, I need that job or God, I need that new car or whatever it may be that we're asking the Lord for. And turns out that someone a week later after we've prayed for this new car someone comes up to us and they're like hey I'm selling a car do you would you want to buy it and turns out it's just what you needed it's exactly that two thousand dollars that you wanted to spend on a car and you got that car if we were to base our worship of God on that experience alone in our personal interpretation we could just as easily come here on a Sunday and be like God you are a genie And you make all my wishes come true. (laughs) But we know that that's not who God is. Why? Because of the word. We know that we don't get to just show up on a Sunday, rub the altar, and make a wish. That's not how it works. (laughs) It's not how it works. We don't get to base our worship of God on our own interpretations. Amen? Our worship needs to be more than lip service to God. In Matthew 15, I'm going to turn there quickly. Jesus, he's speaking to the Pharisees here, Pharisees and the scribes. And he actually quotes Isaiah. And he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In vain do they worship me. May it never be said of us, church, that in vain do we worship the Lord and that our hearts are far from him. May it never be said of us. Breaks my heart to think that we would be worshiping the Lord and thinking that we're giving him praise and that our worship would be in vain. There needs to be a connection from our head of what we're saying to our heart that connection, that heart, that head-to-heart connection in worship to the Lord. The songs that we sing here on a Sunday, they're they're true. They're biblical. You'll find it here. 
we're very careful to do that. But we could sing Waymaker every Sunday. We could sing it until the world ends. But if we don't have a foundation of why God is a Waymaker, our worship holds no value. Likewise, I could say to you, my husband is an encouraging, uplifting person. But until you go and actually have a conversation with him, that means absolutely nothing to you. They're just words. There's no relationship there. There's no experience. There's no value. As we read the word, as we start to know more about the Lord, then we discover how he is a way maker. How do we know that the Lord is a way maker? Is it because Leland wrote a good song about it? Where did he get that from? Like the story pastor shared last week when Abraham went up the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. What happened? The Lord provided the sacrifice and Isaac was spared. That's how I know that God is a way maker because my word says time and time and time again how he made a way. There's foundation. The word becomes the foundation. And now that I have the foundation of what the word says and that the word says that the Lord is a way maker, now in my own life, when God has been a way maker, in the times when we didn't have money coming in and we didn't know where we were going to live and we didn't know where it was gonna, how it was going to work out, he made a way. And so now I've read it in the word, I've seen it in my life, and when I show up on a Sunday and I'm singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, it's not lip service, it's heart worship. Amen? There's a depth, there's a history there, there's value. The songs that we sing on a Sunday, like Waymaker, they're actually the scripture put to music, which is beautiful, and I love that. They're taking truths that are revealed in the word of God and they're writing songs of praise about it. It kind of seems like a cheat, but that's worship. It's literally (laughs) singing the words of God back. That's why when you hear someone say like, oh, we're gonna do worship in the word, what that is is someone reads a scripture and then we go on for about 45 minutes just singing from that scripture. One scripture. And there are places where this is what they do day in and day out, just singing the word back to the Lord. Mm. And this is why it's very important to have songs that are founded in the word. What we discover about God becomes the foundation of our worship. And then as we walk with him, he shows us his character. He shows us who he is. And then there begins to build that depth of that relationship. I can't, in this sermon, tell you everything that there is to know about God. There's just not enough time. And that's not my goal. But what my goal is, is to express the importance of having a right knowledge of God, of knowing who he really is, because that's where we have a true worship. That's where we become the true worshipers. And knowing God, it's a relationship, right? The depth of our knowledge, our intimacy with the Lord, our worship should be continuously growing, okay? Just like any relationship. A relationship that's not growing, eventually it gets stale and it kind of falls out and then you haven't talked to them in a couple years and then you wonder where did they go? You stopped moving, that's what happened. When I was a kid and I was in Sunday school, we sang songs of worship and you know what those songs would have been? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that was heart worship for me as a kid, because that's what I knew. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal lasting life. Amen. And that was my love of the Lord, and that's where it started. Amen. That's where it started. Another song we sang would be, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. <laughs> and why, why, was that a, why was that impactful for me as a kid? Why was that heart worship? Because what did I do as a kid? I sat in Sunday school and I learned about David and Goliath. My God is a big God. My God is a strong God. I, read, I knew Noah in the ark. I'm trying to make sure I got all the people right here. 
Noah in the ark and how he flooded the earth, but he gave a rainbow and he made a promise. And so far, he's never flooded the earth again. Promise keeper, boom. We're just building Waymaker here. <laughs> but if my depth of worship now, 20, I don't know how old I was when I got saved. We'll just say six. 20 years now into my relationship with Jesus was still me here on a Sunday now leading you in worship and we're singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. It should be a little bit deeper, yeah. right? Yeah. It should be continuously growing because our knowledge, our relationship with the Lord should be continuously growing. There's a song by Misty Edwards and she says, yesterday's depths are feeling really shallow, Come on. but I've got to go deeper still. Come and I love that because that's a picture of what it's like walking with the Lord. The places that used to be deep places where I used to have to step yeah. out in faith every yeah. day and yeah. say, Lord, I trust yeah. you. Yeah. I'm stressed, but I trust you. Whatever it is, those places, they're shallow now. Yeah. But I want to go deeper because I want more of the Lord. And as we step into that depth of our relationship with the Lord, so does our worship. To be the true worshipers, we need to worship him for who he is. And we need to love the truth about him. Amen? Amen. The other side of worshiping in truth is that we worship with nothing hidden. Yeah. Where we come before the Lord with our true self, everything exposed. We lay it all out before him. We draw near to him with authenticity of who we are with authenticity of our intentions, our agendas, our beliefs, our feelings, our emotions, we lay it all out before him. And this can sound kind of confusing, especially when we're talking about worship, because you know, worship isn't about us, worship is about God, right? But we are the worshiper, and worship involves us. We're involved, like I said. We don't get to just show up and observe. We have to engage. There is no worship if we are not engaged. Right. Come on. Yep. Come on. And so we show up on a Sunday, on a Monday morning, whatever it is, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday night, whenever you have your time with the Lord, that you are worshiping him. It doesn't have to be here on a Sunday. And we show up, and we come, and we let God come in and know us. For who we are because like I said this is a this is a relationship with the Lord it's a two-way street one-sided relationships they don't last very long doesn't go really well we can't just know him we have to let him know us Matthew 7 21 and 23 if you want to turn there I think it's up on the screen. Yeah, I have it on the screen. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This isn't about someone who didn't know God. I mean, I don't know their heart. I can't say that. The scripture doesn't say. But they said, Lord, Lord. They called him Lord. They were prophesying in his name. They were casting out demons. I've never casted out a demon. (laughs) In his name. It says that they did mighty works in his name. But what did he say? I never knew you. Actually, it's a little scarier than that. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. We think that maybe it's a little important that we let the Lord know us. When I was uh, still living back at home at my parents' house, I would, uh, I'd oftentimes, I'd sit down at the piano, and it was in the main part of the house, and I'd sit down and, I'd start playing, just like singing and worshiping to the Lord. And sometimes I'd spend a couple minutes, if that's what I had. Sometimes I'd sit there for hours, especially if no one was in the house, which is hard when there's six people. But I would just sit there, and I would play, and I would sing to Jesus, and I would just worship him. 
pour it all out. Good times, bad times, all happened right there at that piano. And sometimes, most of the time, I sat there with my eyes closed. But every once in a while, I'd open my eyes. And out of my peripheral, there was a couch that sat on the right-hand side. And I'd catch a glimpse that someone had snuck in and sat down on the couch. And it would be my mom and my dad. And I'd look over. And they were just sitting there, eyes closed, worshiping. And one time when this happened, I felt the Lord say to me, that's me. That's what I do when you worship me. I just sneak in the side, and I just want to sit down on the couch, and I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to listen to you. I want to know you. This is what happens when we come and worship the Lord. It's not just us just full blast, just Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's, it's, it's him trying to get our attention, wanting to know us, wanting to know the real us. It's an opportunity for us to know him and to be known by him. And he wants to know every part of us every part. There's nothing too messy. There's nothing too shocking. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing too small. But what can happen is when we have a wrong understanding, a wrong view of who God is, then we come before him with condemnation, shame, fear, feeling like we need to hide. And sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it. We don't even know because it's become so normalized to us. We tell ourselves that either it's not important or that's just a small thing or that isn't related or he doesn't care about that or I need to fix that before I let him in there. It's kind of a mess what I do when people come over my house, just take everything and shove it in the bedroom. (laughs) We don't get to do that with God. Hey, I said you have to put everything out on the line, right? We have to let him in. We We can't just leave it to the side. We can't let those things settle. And that was me. That's been me. And we can worship God from this place. We can worship him from a place. We now have a right knowledge of him. And we've let him into a few spots. But there's these couple of parts that we're going to, you know, leave to the side. And we can worship God from this place. But there's a cap. There's a block. Because when we don't let God into a part of us, we actually cut off a part of who he is. There's a part of God that we don't get to walk into. There's a part of him that we don't get to experience. Because there's a part of us that he doesn't get to experience. In 2017, like I had said, I went to Rhode Island for an internship for biblical studies. And pretty early on in my time there, I remember um, reading a scripture and being prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray a prayer. And I prayed something along these lines of, and I remember I was like sitting in like the back row. It was one of our prayer nights. Um, one of the first prayer nights we had there. And I remember praying, refine me like the gold. And that was the prayer that I prayed. And first off, I'm going to give you a warning. If you pray a prayer like that to the Lord, he takes that serious. And he's going to do whatever he needs to do to refine you like the gold, which is a, a great thing. And what happened is that the Lord started to highlight to me things that I had let settle on the inside And what he started to expose was a lot of shame and guilt that I'd been carrying for several years. And he showed me, it wasn't, what he showed me, it wasn't the magnitude of how I messed up, because he knew that I already knew that. He didn't need to stand there and reprimand me and say, you messed up because I'd been beating myself about it for years. I didn't need another discipline. I'd been disciplining myself for long enough. But what he showed me was how it was separating me from him. It wasn't you messed up in this way. It was you're you're not letting me in. You're separated from me. There was a side of God that I couldn't open up to 
I had closed myself off to it. And he wanted that door opened. He wanted to step into that. He wanted to know that part of me. He wanted to know that I trusted him with the sensitive, hidden things of my heart. He wanted to know that I could trust him with the things that I couldn't trust anyone with, the things that I'd never told anyone. He wanted to step into that part of me. He wanted to know that part of me. Because that's where true freedom is found, when we let God into those hidden places. The word says in Isaiah 61 that we get beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for a garment of heaviness. These things are all available to us. Beauty, joy, praise. I'll take it all. But there's an exchange that happens. It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us our pride, our complacency, our comfortability. Because we can show up and we can be comfortable. Our control. Like Pastor preached about last week about surrender. But the thing is, we can't surrender to God something that we don't own. We have to own it. You can't give God something that you don't know about, something that you just have let settle and it's not yours anymore, something that you won't take responsibility for and say, yes, this is me. Yes, that is how I feel. You can't give that to God when we haven't owned it. We need to own it. When we come before him with authenticity of who we are, authenticity of ourself, that is when we receive that beautiful exchange. That's when we're entering into true worship. And when we show up to worship and we say, God, forgive me for seeking your hand and not your face. When we show up and we say to the Lord, God, I'm disappointed that you didn't move the way that I thought you would. We need to be honest with him. God, I'm disappointed that what I asked for didn't happen. I'm disappointed. We don't need to be fake with him. We don't need to show up when we've had a hard week and the Lord didn't break through the way that we thought that he would and say, all right, you did it all, you're good. We don't need fake faith. We need authenticity. We need, yeah. to become, we need to come before him with who we really are, how we really feel, and say, Lord, it doesn't matter how I feel. Yes, this is how I feel, and I'm owning it, and I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to worship you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We get that exchange. Yeah. He draws close, and we enter into a deeper level of worship. It says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. We can go into those deep places because, one, we trust him, and now he can trust us. He is seeking the true worshipers, and I want him to find me. Amen? Amen. And so what I want to do is I want to just give you a few practical things that we can do to move into that deeper level of worship, to become those true worshipers, to know the truth about God and to become those who worship with nothing hidden. And so first, worship in truth, the truth about God, it's pretty simple, but I'm going to highlight just a couple things that we can do. Read your Bible. I know that's so simple, but there's a lot of hindrances that come with reading your Bible. I'll admit, like I said, that was me. Um, Didn't want to pick it up, didn't want to read it. Dust was forming on my Bible. I will say that. Um, but you know what? If it's boring for you, and that's fine. You can own that. Go to Jesus in prayer and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Your word is boring. (laughs) Do it. It sounds silly, but you know what? I've heard time and time and time again about people who have been bored with the word, and they asked Jesus, and they said, come and make it alive to me. And now they have a hunger for the word like I've never seen before. Ask him to make it alive to you. Knowing God is time-consuming. That's the big hindrance, not having enough time. Any relationship of any depth takes time. 
And knowing God is a relationship. This isn't speed dating. We don't get to just show up, go down a list of names about God, Yahweh. Thank you, Yahweh, and then head out the door. That's, that's not knowing God, all right? And we need to make it a priority. It does not need to be a weekend getaway with Jesus, okay? 24, 48, 72 hours of what have you, and it's no food, no drinking, no bathroom breaks. I'm going to just see Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't have time for that. I have a very busy life. I don't have days off right now. So for me, you know what it is? I actually have a reminder in my phone. It says, meet with the Lord one hour every day. And most of the time, I don't make it that much time. I don't have time for that. Sometimes it's five minutes. It's five minutes before I get out the door. Sometimes I don't actually get to sit down and pick up my Bible. Sometimes it's actually happening in my car as I'm driving to work. That's 30 minutes. I'm stuck in my car doing nothing unless I'm putting on mascara. <laughs> but that's <laughs> 30 minutes that we can be meeting with the Lord, getting to know him. Like I said, the songs, they are scripture written. Put on a song and worship the Lord. Meet with him. Find a time. It doesn't need to be five hours. If all you have time for is a quick morning coffee with Jesus, that's fine. But make that time. Make it a priority. The word can be confusing. This has actually been a huge thing for me. It was a big reason why I went on the internship for biblical studies because um, I have the ESV, it's simpler to read, I feel like, but the word was just confusing. It didn't really make sense. I got the basic stories, you know, David and Goliath, nowhere in the ark, but like all that other stuff in between, just, if it wasn't black and white, I didn't get it. Um, and I remember one time I was sitting at home reading my Bible, and I can't tell you exactly what story I was reading, but I was reading my word, my morning coffee with Jesus. And there was, it was one of the stories in the Old Testament, this much I remember, and it was one of the stories where God commands his people to go and like wipe out an entire nation of people. All right? I think there's quite a few of those in the Old Testament. And um, I just, I remember sitting there reading my word and just actually, I had an issue with it. I had a really big issue with it. I was, I was just like, how can he do that? what did they do or what didn't they do? And I remember picking up my Bible, I remember this so vividly, <laughs> I remember picking up my Bible and my coffee and like marching myself inside to go find my dad. Because <laughs> he's going to know why Jesus, why the Lord did this. And I remember the Holy Spirit just like stopping me as I got inside the door and he was just like, well, did you ask me? You can go ask your dad, but did you think to ask me? It's my word. I commanded it. Do you think I don't know my own intentions, my own heart, wow. my own decisions? Yeah. And so I did. I sat back down and marched myself back outside, a <laughs> little begrudgingly. And I did. I sat down and I asked the Lord and I said, why did you do this? Show it to me. So then I went back and I read the story again and I didn't get anything. And then I continued into the next chapter, and in the next chapter, the very next chapter in the book, he actually explains exactly why he had them do that. It was written out right here. I just hadn't made it that far. So if it's confusing, ask him. Another great thing to do if the word is confusing, one, different translations. Um, I really like the ESV. I turn to this the most. I also have the Passion Translation. Um, I'm more of a like creative artsy you know type person and the passion translation just speaks to my heart um, and it's also very simple to understand it's just plain English modern English I should say because this is English too um, also get a study Bible I have a study Bible it's actually a King James version study Bible so I don't actually read the scriptures there because it's old English and I don't get it but I read it in here, and then I go to my study Bible where it explains the scriptures to me. And that's how I can understand the word better. The other thing that I ran into all the time with the Bible is I kind of had this excuse of like, well, I don't know where to start. Like, where do I read? I've read the New Testament several times. And I know that they say, like, you're not supposed to just, like, 
invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. That sounds great. Um, but, you know, we, that, the, what, what are we going to do with that? If you don't know where to start and you're on this journey of knowing God, just start from the beginning. Just go to Genesis 1. Ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's one verse, all right? And we just learned three things about God. In the beginning, God. He was there at the beginning. He's Alpha. He's the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. He's in the heavens and the earth. Actually, we learned four things because it says he created them. There you go. Verse one, four things about God. You can write a whole song about that. That's a whole 45-minute set of worship with the word. One verse. We overcomplicate it. We make it, we, we get to in our head. We overthink it. Get in your word. Become a student of the word. Worshiping in truth with nothing hidden. That requires us to know ourselves. Requires us to do a little bit of a little bit of digging. And some of us we self-analyze a bit too much. And so for those of you that where that's you and you have a tendency to just kind of like, you know, pick apart your whole being and say like, "Oh, I need help with this and that and this and that and this and that." Take this part lightly. But for those of you who <laughs> for those of you who are not as self-aware, this is, this is what we need to do. We need to know ourselves. We need to analyze our heart, our mind, our will, our emotions. When something happens, we had a bad day at work, but we can't say why. No one was mad at us. We didn't, you know, fail anything or mess up, but we get in the car and we're a wreck and we're tired or we're stressed and we can't pinpoint it to one thing. Being able to just take time and be like, Lord, what is that? Why do I feel like that? And then all of a sudden he brings to mind, oh, that's right. This happened and that triggered this reaction. But we need to be self-aware. We need to be able to analyze what's going on in the inside. Be able to come on a Sunday and we can't enter into worship because of who knows what. We're either distracted or something's happening or nothing's happening and now we're just there and we're just observing because we got annoyed or retired or whatever being able to be like lord what is that maybe sometimes it's just i don't know what that is but i'm giving it to you lord i'm not feeling it i'm tired i'm stressed but i'm going to worship you i'm going to give it to you in this place and so analyzing ourselves, knowing what's going on on the inside Asking the Lord, because some things we can't decipher on our own. That's me a lot. Yeah. I can be really good at being self-aware and, you know, checking myself before I react to things. But I have those days when I just don't know what's going on. Just feel like I'm like, you know, losing my mind. And I'm just like, Lord, what's happening? He's like, hey, you just didn't get enough sleep last night. It can be simple things. These don't have to be very deep, you know, sinful things of the heart. Sometimes they're just physical things because again, worship is a physical thing. Yeah. Another good thing is to have discipleship, having someone in your life that you can talk to so that when you're talking and you're working through things, they're able to listen and they can pinpoint things out. This is also where confession comes in, being able to confess things that are going on create accountability in our life. We become more self-aware that way. And then we can become authentic with ourself. Discipleship, have an old person. Yeah. And get along with Jesus. Listen to him more than you talk. Because he, he knows a lot about you. He does. He knows a lot. Sometimes we just need to listen. We want to be the true worshipers, the ones worshiping in spirit and in truth. Mm. Worshiping with authenticity of self. Making that connection from our head to our heart. Entering into that deep level of worship with the Lord. A worship 
that has been founded in the word. The word is our foundation and now has poured out into our own lives as we walk one on one with Jesus. The Lord is seeking this kind of worship. It says it. He's seeking for the true worshipers. And my prayer is that he finds each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, someone's going to come up and receive the offering. But Lord, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word, your gift to us, this love letter that you've made where we can come and know you and be known by you, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that you have made a way for us to come close to you, to worship you in spirit and in truth by the gift of your Holy Spirit that we can join with you in worship and praising you. God, we pray that you would just make your word come alive to us, that we would become lovers of your word and that therefore our worship to you would become deeper. God, that our relationship with you would be deeper, Lord God. Come and make it alive to us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. Amen. 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 Come on. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to get ready to receive the offering this morning. There's uh, ways to give up on the screen, and there's also cards in the seats in front of you that explain how you can give, different ways to give here at Redeeming Love. You guys are a wonderful giving church, and uh, you guys have no need to be encouraged to give. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we pray for every giver here this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for what you're doing. And God, we thank you for redeeming love. God, we thank you for this church. God, we thank you for a church full of worshipers, God. Full of worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you pass those buckets, uh, we are starting our deliverance ministry here at Redeeming Love. If you're interested in going through that, uh, our deliverance ministry is called Liberation. And so we're actively going through that as we're training the team. So if you're interested in going through that, just write liberation on your Engage card uh, and we can get you in. There's some sessions that are available um, weekly. And then we will have a service on September 3rd where we explain it in greater detail so that you can know more what, about, what it, about what it is and how it works. Uh, but if you're, if you're wanting to go through it ahead of time during the training process, there are some time slots available now. So write that down on your Engage card. Ushers, you can uh, pass those buckets, receive the offering. We've got our prayer and healing teams that are going to be available immediately following the service right, after, right under the screen. So if you need prayer for healing or for any other need, please go and see the prayer and healing teams underneath the, underneath the screens. We will see you guys next week for the next installment of Created to Worship. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks.